0: You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so,
1: I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama, oh my mama, Megan, man, my Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot fade away. This is the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real Seas fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell them other guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear. Well-respected in a city like Russell's career. It's Rain and Jay. Millie.
0: Welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics podcast, and we want to thank you for joining us on this Tuesday podcast. We really appreciate you making us part of your daily grind and taking us all with you uh, wherever you di- wherever you're going. Maybe it's at the Patriots parade. Maybe you're listening on your way to the Patriots parade, or after the Patriots parade, or whatever. Maybe you're you don't even care about the Patriots. That's fine, too, Uh, but we do, and we had fun with that, and uh, in this podcast, we're going to cover some of the things that we should have talked about yesterday, but we were a little too wrapped up in the emotions of a Super Bowl win and the Celtics beating the Oklahoma City Thunder, so we're going to do that. We're the Rain and Jays. I am John Corrales of MassLive.com, joined by Jay King of The Athletic. Uh, We did not talk about Kyrie in New York City. And we were both there for that. We witnessed all of that before and after the game. So we'll talk about that. We'll get into the ongoing saga with Anthony Davis and the list, the alleged list, and the new Lakers offer. And we also neglected to give out our taco awards, our weekly taco awards. So we're going to actually turn this into an actual taco Tuesday. Uh, let's start, though, by going back into the weekend uh, back to Friday morning and Kyrie Irving at Madison Square Garden. So having had a few days to digest what you saw, Jay, before and after the game, all the headlines, all the stuff that broke out, what, what? where are you now a few days later? Where are you on Kyrie?
1: It was just an interesting press conference. He it was... was all over the map, absolutely all over the map. Um, the obviously the the one major takeaway was that he had a chance to squash all the speculation about his future. You know, he there have been because of curious, not curious, coincidental timing. He got hurt and wasn't able to talk to the media. The during the three or four days when all the speculation about his future started spinning and he got to Madison square garden and he could have said, you know what? I still feel about the Celtics like I did before the season. That's still my plan to resign in Boston. And he didn't. And so he opened the door to a possible departure. And and that was the obvious takeaway. Um, Some of the things he pointed out that were also interesting was that the season hasn't gone as he planned. We knew that. Mm-hmm. We know he's been frustrated at times with the the way this team hasn't meshed and the lack of championship habits—a a phrase that he's used quite a bit. We know that it, it's been frustrating on him. But when he was asked about his future, and he brought that up, you know, obviously that's interesting. And honestly, the Celtics have known from the start that he wasn't his verbal commitment wasn't binding and that they still had to deliver him and convince him to resign. And they still have to do that. They're in a race now. You know, he said, boss is still at the top of that race. And right. I, but it is a race. It is a race.
0: Uh, so I, I think that you're right in that he didn't come out and say as definitively, as anybody would like to like to hear in Boston, what his future is going to be. It definitely was nowhere near the "if you'll have me, I want to come back," which was pretty definitive. Uh, and I think he's leaving himself the out for sure, um, because I I'm I'm interpreting this. First of all, my take was he's very annoyed. Very annoyed by the entire process. And I don't think necessarily that all that frustration was towards Boston or, or anything like that. I think part of his frustration in New York was that first of all, the tone of the questions, the um the fact that he had to answer those questions, like I, I thought it was very interesting that he's he, he said uh, something to the effect of you know, uh, someone else asked for a trade, and now my name's in this? Like, I, I think he's he's pretty pissed off that his name is
1: being used in, in... – But if you don't want your name used, just say, I don't – I still want to play in Boston. That's all he had to do to end that frustration, his frustration. That's all he had to do, and he didn't. And so now this is on him. Maybe it wasn't before. Maybe it was outside sources suggesting – that he was considering leaving or that the chances of him leaving were growing or whatever the reports were. But now it's on him. Now it's on him. He, he had the chance and, and he didn't do that. And, you know, it would have been easy for him. And to be honest, like because of the way Mm -hmm. he approached it at the beginning of the season, verbally committing to Boston once July 1st arrived, he hasn't dealt with any questions about his future at all this whole time. This was like probably the second time. I think his first stop in New York, someone asked him about it. And then, so this is really the second time since then he's dealt with questions about his future. So he's, he's avoided all the, all the pressures and, and all the scrutiny that most guys face until recently. And, and he did that because of the comments he made at the beginning of the season. But if you want to continue avoiding that, you've got to squash the scrutiny and and he certainly did not do that he he didn't but
0: let, let me just throw this out there just as the counterpoint um, he he when he said ask me July 1st what was he responding to was he responding to the has your I think the question was has has your opinion shifted has your has your things have things changed and he says ask me July 1st. Uh, Has your mindset changed? Has your mindset changed? And they said, ask me July 1st. Now the, the, there's the obvious, like you said, Kyrie could have just said, no, it hasn't. And just left it at that. The other side of it is that Kyrie hates the media. And I think it's pretty obvious now. Uh, He hates the fact that this has turned into what it is and that, I don't think he's he's going to give the media what it wants at all and I don't think he likes having to answer things and I don't think he wants to answer things the way we want him to answer them. So the ask me July 1st could have been interpreted as everybody saying, "I'm going to change my mind. Ask me July 1st if I've changed my mind." Um, and that kind of goes along with the Uh, I'm pissed off that people are using my name. Uh, and then later in the, in the, in the day after the game, he was a little bit, I think more kind of resigned to the fact like, this is how it's going to be. And I'm just going to deal with it. I don't like it, but I'm going to deal with it. Where in the morning he was pissed off. Like, I don't want to deal with this and I'm pissed off that I have to deal with this. Uh, afterwards I thought it was a little bit telling that he said, I appreciate that people uh, were chanting my name. I appreciate that people are identifying how talented I am and that they want to play with me. But at the end of the day, I'm going to do what's best for me and my family. And I felt like that was the response to those guys are using my name. My name is being thrown out and they want me to play with, with LeBron or they want me to play here in New York. They want me to play with whomever. But I'm going to do what's best for me and my family, which in itself is noncommittal. And what's best for him and his family may be one of those things, but it it sounds like he is still taking a step back from Boston, but still Boston is in the lead, and he's just not going to be as committal as he was before because he, he because of the frustration that he's faced, and I think there is some element of I want to see what Danny Ainge does. I want to see what's next. I want to see, first of all, how deep can we go in the playoffs? And I kind of want to see what's next before I really, really make that five-year commitment here or somewhere else. So um, I don't see it quite as negative, but I will also acknowledge that it's its certainly not. He certainly did not do what you said and say, you you, you could have just said, I'm staying in Boston. Everybody shut the hell up. And let's can we just move on from this? He could have done that. He didn't, and that's that's for sure concerning. But I'm I'm not taking it as negative as some of the reporting or people taking things out of context are.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, he certainly didn't say he was leaving Boston. He said Boston's at the top of the race. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, even his Nick's answer was kind of weird. Someone asked him about the. Porzingis trade. It was just a question about the Porzingis trade. And he went out of his way to say I respect the Knicks organization. I see them lining up for the summer and I wish them luck. And <laughs> and it was like <laughs> just just say hey, it was a fine trade, or I'm not gonna go into you know a, yeah. a trade about a, a I think different that's team. a little
0: nitpicky. I think that's a little nitpicky.
1: <clears throat> I don't know. I I, I thought that that press conference was it just added to the drama surrounding this team. And there's been no shortage of it. And what's interesting is the only reason it's a big story is that is because before the season he committed, like if he had said in the middle of the season as a free agent that he's going to do his best for his family, and Boston's at the head of the race, and he likes the promise of the team, still likes it, it would have been a very positive thing in most cases. But Mm -hmm. because the comparison for it is that he verbally committed and was pretty concrete over the summer that he intends to re-sign, this was just a drop from that. Sure. And obviously the Knicks are lining up to try to make – an enormous splash this summer. And they'll have slots for two maximum contract free agents. They'll have, if they get number one in the lottery and Anthony Davis is still around, they'll have a real chance, I think, to trade for Anthony Davis. So there is, they are lining up. And obviously, you know, that was a team that was on, Kyrie's preferred list of destinations when he requested a trade from Cleveland and he grew up nearby and even at Madison Square Garden his father was in the the crowd and he took off his jersey and gave it to his father and said about Madison Square Garden when asked about it later you know I'm home um so I think I think the Knicks are a threat uh and I don't know how big that threat is Obviously, they're the Knicks. They've they've fumbled a bunch of things in the past. The last time they signed a superstar player was Amare, and he wasn't the elite level of superstar player we're talking about. So there's the Celtics. I think should still feel confident, but also you know there there are threats lining up, um, and and Kyrie did not squash the possibility that he would at least consider going somewhere else.
0: Sure. Yep. I mean, I think that's a fair way to, to sum it up. Uh, the morning session with the media was almost kind of like three stages of like startup, very angry at just angry in general. And then he talked about Boston being in the lead and then he kind of lashed out the media and he, he, he lashed out at the media afterwards too. Um, yeah, what was that? I I I just don't think that he has enjoyed this past month media wise. I I,
1: like, I I think that was about the speculation about his future before he even spoke. It yeah. had to be. Um, I feel like. But then yeah. to, to lash out at the media after the reaction to his press conference in the morning is weird because that was on him. That was entirely on he him. You, he, you he doesn't see it that way. You can't you can't throw a match into the wood and then be upset that there's a fire.
0: But he doesn't see it as throwing a match. See, that's the thing. Like that's I'm sure he sees this as him stating his intentions as as best he possibly can without being overly committal and and just he has to leave his his options open and and maybe some of that is him putting pressure on Danny Ainge saying, hey, by the way. Um, You know, I I want to come back, and I think we have a good thing here, but uh, I'm not 100% sold unless you do something. I thought he
1: definitely put pressure on the Celtics with that press conference. Sure. And I don't know whether it was intentional, but saying what he said and how he said it was, they have pressure the rest of the season. Pressure to make a deep playoff run. Pressure to, you know, even more pressure to try to acquire Anthony Davis. They have a lot of pressure to now keep Kyrie in Boston. And maybe they've felt that pressure the whole time. Maybe, maybe they've, they've known that they had to convince him no matter what. But these playoffs now, it's going to be fascinating because you've got Toronto with Kawhi, and they've got to try keeping him. You've got Philadelphia with Jimmy Butler, and they've got to try keeping him. You've got Boston with Kyrie, and they've got to try keeping him. And those are three of the four best teams in the Eastern Conference. All these teams need deep playoff runs, and if they don't get them, it could go the wrong way. And, and granted, a deep playoff run may not be the the only consideration. Like Paul George stayed with the Thunder, even though they didn't have a truly successful postseason last year. But I do think the, the pressure in this playoffs in the Eastern Conference is intense beyond the fact that it's, you know, the playoff playoff basketball and playoff basketball is always intense. There's pressure for three of these top four teams to keep around one of their franchise players. Let me ask you this.
0: Um, Do you see a difference in Kyrie and just in the way he's interacted with the media in the past few weeks?
1: Yeah, I think the last couple days he's been – he clearly, I mean, he called – so the media empire is nonsense. So, yeah. I think he's frustrated with the media. And if, if you remember back to media day, he said, "I used to, I used to not like talking to you guys. Yeah, uh, I used to feel whatever he felt." And he said, "This is a, like one of the first times I felt comfortable in front of the media." And I I, I think for the most part, he's done a much better job with the media, or, or he's been much friendlier toward the media this season. The last couple of days. And even after the win against um, Oklahoma City, which is a really impressive win, one that they they you know earned late, and he in most part earned late, they he wasn't wasn't thrilled when he was talking to the media. So Here. you know maybe maybe it's all the stories about his future that that he feels were planted by other people or influenced by other people outside his own camp.
0: I, I, I'm going to go back further. I, I think I'm just guessing here. My first inclination was after the Florida road trip where the um, he had that blow up in Orlando. So after Miami, he went back out and he went shooting. And then he came into the locker room way late, but he was talking to the media and he seemed actually fine. Like he seemed okay. And he was his usual self, kind of a little upbeat, giving his his long answers. He speaks in these long, kind of rambling sentences, uh, very train, you know, uh, train of thought kind of thing. And then Orlando happened, and he had um, kind of that it, the the leadership thing that whatever he was trying to do afterwards, it kind of blew up in his face. So he had to do like a little Mia culpa in. Uh, in Brooklyn, that was okay. And then he had the after the Toronto game, he dropped the I called LeBron bomb, and that was his like, okay, you know, I'm admitting I, I made some mistakes, and I'm not going to go down that road with these guys publicly anymore. And and just to show you guys how much I'm I'm growing in this leadership role, I actually called LeBron to apologize. And that blew up in his face because a lot of national media took that as, Oh, you know, that's, that's what posturing there. They, they really, it it did not go over well nationally locally with us. I don't think any of us really had any sort of negative reaction. I think we all kind of took it for what he was trying to say, but nationally people on the talk shows took that and ran with it and it, it didn't go well. And That, I think, was the beginning of the turning point. And then that coincided. Once he said, I talked to LeBron, then people started joking about him going to L.A. And then now uh, Rich Paul has been planting him and LeBron kind of getting together as possible stories. and, And that's now spiraled into what we're seeing now. So I think it goes back to then. And that whole convergence of negative stories or stories that didn't go the way he thought they would go has really soured him. And I think he's, he's coming out and he's just like some one word answers, some, you know, very terse re- replies. Uh, I, I just don't think that he's, he's, I think he's gone back to the, I hate talking to you guys type of, uh, type of mode. And that doesn't impact anything, but it's just interesting to see the, the change in his personality uh, when it comes to you know where and he is now that, in response to everything.
1: That may be a good strategy. Could be, absolutely. It, it may be because the more he talks, the more he's gotten into trouble. Whether it's talking about the young guys or you know the the way the LeBron thing was was reacted to in, in some parts. I I do believe that saying very little could be his best move and the best move to for the Celtics well Jay you see to, I, I think his the way
0: he talks is what makes him very susceptible to being taken out of context because he is a very stream of consciousness kind of guy when he's talking sometimes he starts a sentence somewhere and he ends a sentence somewhere else and he, I think he he just the next thought pops into his head and he, he starts going down a different road. You can take different things out of context and say, Oh, Kyrie said this. And you take five words out of a, a, you know, 50 word sentence. It's, it's very easy to say, what did he mean by this? Oh, what did he mean by this? What do you mean by this? Like, it's hard to listen to the entire thing and see, Oh, maybe, he maybe that's not exactly what he meant. Which is why I think it's important, like, when we embed the video in in the stories, like, that's, I think, super, super important for people to watch the video and listen to the – read full quotes because it's super easy the way he talks to take little snippets of him and take it out of context. I think that's part of what pisses him off.
1: Maybe, but at the same time, the context of – I'm going to do what's best for me and my family and ask me July 1st. The only thing he didn't say in that press conference, which he was apparently mad about afterward was the only thing he didn't say was that he's still has a plan to resign with the Celtics.
0: Of course. Of course.
1: And and so it's on him.
0: Okay. Let's, uh, let, we, we went a long time on that one. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and discuss the latest on the Lakers offer to the Pelicans, the Anthony Davis situation and how that impacts the Boston Celtics stick around a lot more coming up coming up here on the lockdown Celtics podcast. One day we learned that Anthony Davis uh, has a list of teams, apparently, that he will re-sign long-term with. The Boston Celtics are not on that list. Shocking. Shocking that his agent wouldn't put that on the list. But teams that are on there, uh, obviously the Lakers, the Clippers, Milwaukee, uh, who else? Uh, where's this list? A uh, couple of other teams that do not have the assets to compete with a Boston Celtics offer. Meanwhile, the, the uh, Lakers have offered everybody in what they are calling uh, basically a godfather offer for Davis. It's Ball, Ingram, Kuzma, Rondo, uh, Beasley couple of draft picks and they'll take Anthony Davis. They'll take Solomon Hill. So they are offering cap relief, young players, draft picks, all of it. They're offering all of it. So on the same day that it's leaked, Jay, that Boston Celtics just, they're just not going to resign long-term with the Boston Celtics. Here comes the Lakers best and final offer. Uh, it has to be their final offer. They got nothing else to throw in there. Uh, There's just more posturing from clutch sports to me, the saying that they have to throw that seed of doubt out there. They have to eliminate the Celtics somehow. They need, need, need the Pelicans to make this deal by the trade deadline. Once it goes past the trade deadline and Boston is suddenly in play and they can now offer their godfather offer would be Tatum and Brown and, and a bunch of picks and whatever they need to fill the the salary, uh, if once Boston's in play there, then the L.A. leverage goes away. So today, I think is the the beginning of that big final push. Like you got to do it now, and we're gonna start hearing about talks intensifying. We're gonna start talking about this offer is gonna come off the table, and and all this other stuff. So I think more posturing.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, certainly not a surprise that Boston was not on that list given that, one, the <laughs> Davis requested a trade when Boston could not technically go after him and is basically the only team sidelined from this pursuit. And two, after his father came out and said what he said about <laughs> Boston and loyalty and how he – did not want his son playing for the Celtics because of how they treated Isaiah Thomas. Um, so yeah, this everything. It, it's pretty obvious uh, that they're trying to push him to the Lakers. And that's been what the, the rumored goal since Davis signed with clutch sports in, initially. I forget exactly when that was, but people have been speculating about that for a long time and everything that's happened kind of looked like that from Boston's perspective it's it's maybe it's obviously not ideal that you're not on the list but if you do get Davis then you have a year to recruit him and you'd have presumably Kyrie Irving who I assume would re-sign if the Celtics acquire Anthony Davis or have plans at that time to acquire Anthony Davis, you'd have, you know, franchise stability that he would have for the first time. You'd have, you know, the, the the fan base that I think would kind of open his eyes after spending the first eight years of his NBA life in new Orleans. And I think the Celtics would have a lot to sell him on over that year. And I don't think that the not being on the list of of preferred destinations will preclude them from chasing him. Um, but obviously, and another aspect of this is the Lakers are the real threat here, right? It's it's the Lakers that are the threat. And I don't see them maintaining cap space until 2020 when Anthony Davis is a free agent. That just, to me, LeBron, who's already 34, is going to want to the Lakers to rise themselves t- to contending status before them. And if that means going after another free agent this summer, if Anthony Davis goes elsewhere, and using all that cap space, I do think the Lakers will do that, and that L.A. will not be a threat to sign Davis once 2020 hits. I could be wrong there, but to me, LeBron is too deep into his career to allow his new franchise to basically punt another season. I agree. I just don't see it happening. So if LA is the biggest threat here for Boston, I don't think that that same threat will exist come the time Anthony Davis is – Ready to hit free agency. I think that threat only exists right now while the Celtics are sidelined and the Lakers are putting the full court press on to try to acquire Anthony Davis before the deadline.
0: Absolutely. That's absolutely true. There's a reason why this is happening so fast, so furious right now. Because if it doesn't happen now, it might never happen. And this is their best chance. This is their absolute best chance in Los Angeles to get Anthony Davis. And like I said before, once it gets past this trade deadline, the chances slip significantly. So they have to do everything they can. They have to make it so Boston may think, well, maybe maybe we can't sign him long-term, which again they they I agree they absolutely could sign him long term because at that point situation changes. The reason that they said that they might not he might not sign long term is because uh, uh, Kyrie Irving there's questions about Kyrie Irving well you, that question will be answered the moment that he's traded that question gets answered because he can't be traded to Boston until that contract is settled. So Kyrie would have to opt out and Boston would absolutely have to have that reassurance from Kyrie that he's going to resign or else they won't make that trade. And so, and I think that's part of why some of those seeds of doubt are being planted, but, If they turn to Kyrie and be like, hey, we got Anthony Davis, like it's going to happen. We're going to get a D. Are you going to resign? Because if you resign, then we get a D and it's you two being paired up. And at that point, Kyrie's going to be like, probably like, yeah, yeah, that's that's my guy. He's one of my friends and he's one of the best players ever. Let's pair him up. And you still, in that scenario, get to keep out Horford and probably, I assume, re-sign Marcus Morris. And, and I don't know if you get to keep Marcus Smart in that scenario, but hopefully you do, because I think that's, that's a, be a super important piece to keep. But regardless, the Celtics would have a significant, and of course Gordon Hayward, uh, they would have a significantly good team to move forward with. And as opposed to the Lakers offering everybody up, and it's basically Anthony Davis and LeBron James and hope to fill every other spot uh, I don't know how they would do that, but the, um, the 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 concerns that Davis would have about Kyrie would be answered, and the concerns Kyrie would have about the team would be answered. So all of that works together, and then we've seen obviously like Kevin Garnett come to Boston and be unsure of the city, and then walk in and be like, "Oh yeah, I get it." Isaiah Thomas walking in saying, "Oh yeah, I get it." I know Anthony, I know Isaiah Thomas is being seen by his Anthony Davis's dad as the the reason why. You wouldn't want him around, but Isaiah Thomas already called D- Danny Ainge about coming back. So it, it's, I, don't, I, I think, I think Isaiah kind of gets what the franchise in the city is about. If he's, if he's pissed, I understand, but um, all of that stuff, I think answers itself. If Anthony Davis walks into that garden, walks underneath all of those banners, walks out onto the court and gets that reception from that crowd. I think he'll understand exactly what it's all about uh, in Boston and the, any long-term concern would, would be wiped away. And then back to your point, as I continue to ramble on, even if they do have the cap space, if the, the Lakers in 2020, LeBron will be almost 36. If you're Anthony Davis and you're in your prime, you're going to go with 30, and he's still LeBron, so he'll still be better than most 36-year-olds, but he's still 36, and he only got like two, three years, and and he's going to, potentially, there's there's the falling off of a cliff for anybody at that age. I I don't, even if they have that scenario open, it's does he want to do that? If he does that, it's because he absolutely 1 million percent wants to be a lay in LA above all else. So I, know, I feel confident if, if the, if it gets past the trade deadline, I feel confident in Boston's chances.
1: Yeah. It's the trade deadline that that's the real stressor for them. And then lottery night is going to be another pressure packed night. Yep. Yep. Um, if the Knicks get number one, if, if someone who could potentially like if, if Philadelphia gets number one I mean, and Boston gets Philadelphia's pick instead, uh, the lottery could, could really, really, really shape the, the NBA in one way or another, absolutely. Uh, especially if Anthony Davis is still available to acquire at that time. Yeah. Lottery night is going to have some sweating, people, <laughs> some profusely sweating general managers that night i'll tell you that it'll be it'll be wild and you know can the celtics jump up with the kings pick does it go to philadelphia instead if they get the number one pick it, there are so many teams um like that could be real players it's it's not your normal like bad teams are in the lottery type thing it's you know the Knicks who are angling to make a huge splash, and it's Philadelphia has a small chance to get the number one pick. And if they do that, oh my goodness! <laughs> but and I don't.
0: I don't think Philly. I mean, Philly has a shot, but like this, the Kings are still above five hundred. Like I think we can forget about. Yeah, it, the won't, be it won't be a
1: great shot. Won't be a great shot. I mean,
0: it, it's still possible, but that I mean, now we're talking about like really winning the lottery, or, like winning the Mega Millions, like that. That would be uh, like a, a really one in a million shot. Like the Kings are they're, they're middle of the pack at They're, they're actually at this point at 27 and 25. I and mean, there's so many of these teams that are behind them. I don't know. I, I, I get your point. Um, even if the Knicks at this point with the trade that they've made, like the whole, the whole lure was going to be Porzingis. They've, they've given up Porzingis. Like the, if they win the lottery, they're going to just, I think, keep the pick like at, Keep the pick, sign two max free agents. Like that. That's I, I don't even think like if you sign two
1: max free agents, you go out and you trade for Anthony Davis.
0: For what though? What do you give up?
1: I mean, they've they if they had the number one pick, number one pick, Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., first round picks. They've they've got a a lot to offer. If, if if they get lucky in the lottery, they have a lot to offer.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I think it it goes. It, it, I think not having Porzingis in that mix fall drops that.
1: Zion's the best prospect. One of the best prospects since LeBron.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, it does. It does make them a threat. But I don't know. I still. Uh, I'm not as I'm not as worried about that threat. But who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Um, all right. We'll see. We'll have to see. Yes, the tra- the, the um, draft lottery is going to be a big thing. Uh, as I've said before, it's got to happen for the Celtics before draft night because if there's no trade before draft night, then the Celtics, what they have to offer the, that night of picks uh, is, is going to be uh, a big part of it. So if, if the Celtics aren't making picks on draft night for New Orleans, then... There's, I don't think there's a deal. If it goes into the summer, then I think that changes things again. And, and who knows, who knows? I could be very wrong on that. Uh, for Boston though, you just got to get past the trade deadline. We're going to come right back. We're handing out tacos, our weekly awards. We're going to wrap it up real quick after the break here on the lockdown Celtics podcast. the best Celtics of the week by handing out tacos. And since this is the Tuesday show, we're actually going to make it a taco Tuesday. So are you prepared Jay? We've got four games since our last tacos. So we're going to go back to the Celtics beating Brooklyn. We've got the Charlotte game in play here, the Knicks and the Thunder. So, Uh, we've got uh, a couple of games, actually. Kyrie Irving didn't play Brooklyn and Charlotte. He did play against the Knicks. He did play against OKC and was his usual spectacular self. But, Jay, are you penalizing Kyrie for two games off?
1: Kyrie does not. He gets no tacos. What? He gets no tacos. You you can't miss two games.
0: This media empire, Jay, I don't know how it works, man.
1: You can't miss two games and then come in and back away from your previous commitment to Boston (laughs) and expect to eat as many tacos as you want. I will not allow tacos. I will not give tacos to Kyrie Irving this week. But Although he was fantastic (laughs) against Oklahoma City and did some spectacularly incredible, ridiculous, absurd things. With the basketball.
0: He did. He did such absurd, ridiculous things in those two games that I think he has to get a taco. No, he's not regardless. getting
1: tacos. I will not allow tacos. I am
0: giving him a taco. I'm giving him a taco. He can go to the competing taco truck across the street. I'm still giving him a taco.
1: That's just a bad call.
0: No, it's a good call. He's so good, Jay. He's so good. Dude, he shot 73% against the Thunder. He had fourteen of nineteen shots.
1: He had one great game out of four contests the Celtics played. This uh, is true.
0: That's you're gonna you're gonna call twenty three points, ten rebounds, six assists against the Knicks. Uh, uh,
1: he wasn't great, great game. that game though. It, by his great. standard, he, he was, wasn't great. He was he wasn't he wasn't good. Great. He was good. He wasn't great. He was good. But one Thunder great game, game he was game. he was spectacular. Yeah.
0: I still think I still think he gets it. Uh, now Al Horford. Al Horford. I'm giving Al Horford a taco.
1: Yeah, he was going to be my first taco. Al Horford has just been a totally different player since getting healthy. He's playing – he looks like he did in the playoffs last season, which is just a difference maker. And, you know, he's posting up guys. He looks stronger in the post. He looks more agile. His defense, I think, has been sharper. He's just been an all-around stud since getting healthy and I, I think that was one of the bigger questions for the Celtics earlier on in the season can Al Horford get healthy and reach the level that he was at last season because he was their best player throughout that playoff run mm-hmm. Al Horford was phenomenal throughout the playoffs. there they don't make the Eastern Conference finals if Al Horford's not as good as he was and so that was one of the big questions early on in the season when he was struggling with the knee and He's kind of wiped those away since 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 coming back and since getting off his minutes restriction. Al Horford has been Al Horford again, and that's a huge deal for the Celtics that that he's playing like at that All Star level again.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he remains Boston's most uh, irreplaceable player only because there's just nobody on this team that that has his skill set. That obviously Kyrie is irreplaceable. In, but when Terry Rozier starts, he at least there is a guy behind him that you can say, okay, he's, he's, he can be a decent point guard as a starter and he can hold things down while everyone else kind of steps up. When Al Horford's not in the game, Or when Al Horford's not available, there's just, there's no big that shoots the way that he does, that passes the way that he does, that defends the way that he does. It's just his skill set is completely irreplaceable. There's no way to make up for that. Now, other guys can step up, obviously, and, and they can, it's, they can still win games, but he's just such a unique player. And he, the way he sees the floor and the way he can, uh, set guys up, it's, I mean, um, how, how much can I say about Al Horford? He is uh, uh, the number one assist man to Kyrie Irving. When Kyrie Irving is making cuts and getting getting those backdoor layups, it's Al Horford that's getting him those assists. Uh, Marcus Smart is the other guy that's just behind him, which just goes to show what kind of passer Marcus Smart is. And then there then there's a drop off like no one else. But uh, Al Horford's ability to set guys up is amazing, and if, if he's healthy and doing this, then he just adds this dynamic that, that makes the Celtics that much tougher to
1: beat. Uh, do third you, taco yeah. goes to Jalen Brown.
0: I like that. I like that call. I was also going to give him a taco.
1: Jalen Brown deserves a taco. He's, he's had eyes on the taco truck for a while now. <laughs> he has... The, the guy's just he's pulled himself all the way out of the early season rut and that's that's no small accomplishment like Jalen Brown was getting crushed mm-hmm. earlier this season and f- for some things that were out of his control obviously he had the early season struggles as much as anyone did for a team that went 10 and 10 and drastically underperformed compared to expectations but he got crushed and for a young player that's that's not always easy to handle but Jalen has has done it very well and he's he's handled the switch to the bench and he's never complained about that. And since moving to the bench, he's just been great and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, he averaged 18 points in the playoffs as a 22-year-old, which I like, only... But I don't know exactly how many guys that age have done it in the playoffs, but it's not a long list. No. And so Jalen had he has reasons to be upset with coming off the bench but instead he's embraced it and he's played great basketball and he's looked a lot like the player you know that he was last season and the prime prospect that everybody thought he was and his shooting has come back and that's a big deal for the Celtics that for for him to be you know a knockdown shooter again that's that's a big deal both short term and long term because you know, if he really struggled at the beginning of the season, and I, I think the questions were legitimate questions about whether what type of shooter he was and will be, because with the exception of last year when he shot 39.5 percent, his three-point percentage is dating back to college. You know, it's it's never been great, and and so for him just his shooting to stabilize, and and for him to to start knocking down outside shots again as he gets healthy with the hand and everything like that. That's that's a big deal, and so he deserves a lot of credit, I think, for for pulling himself out of those woes, and kind of overcoming overcoming all the noise, all the all the the hate that he was getting. Mm-hmm. You know, for for a while, my Twitter mentions were just like um, roasting Jalen of course nightly, true. and. And he's kind of he's bounced all the way back out of that, which is which is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, since November 26th, November 26th is like the the big bang for the Celtics this year. Uh, that's when they moved Marcus Smart to the starting lineup. Since then, he has shot basically 50% from the field, and that's just huge because he was shooting barely 40% before that. Um, he has said on multiple occasions that moving to the second unit has him feeling more comfortable. He feels more free to be who he is and to just play basketball. He said that in the locker room, he said it to individual reporters. He feels more free to be himself in the second unit because, and that's why this, this lineup switch has helped a lot because now the starting lineup has added the grit of the two Marcuses, but, it has taken Jalen away from just being a guy that stood in the corner. And this is why he struggled so much earlier in the year. Those first 20 games, he is better and he thinks he's better than the the guy that they needed him to be in that situation. And now Marcus Smart can be that guy that's just catching and shooting. And, and, and that's benefited Marcus Smart. The ability to just catch and shoot and take the open threes has benefited him greatly. Um now so both of those guys have have benefited and and Jalen Brown getting into that making the most of his minutes has been has been huge. I agree. This past week it's been it's continued. Um so absolutely he gets a taco. Do you have a fourth taco? Uh, I have a fourth taco. Ooh, John's got a fourth taco. I got a fourth taco. I'm going to give it to Marcus Morris because Marcus Morris has bounced back after a basically month-long struggle in January where he kind of came back down to earth a little bit. He has now found himself again. He uh, had a – going back to the Brooklyn game, he had 15-8 against Brooklyn where he shot 6 of 13. Okay, not great, but then he shot 6 of 11 against Charlotte and had a 15 and seven game with three assists against the Knicks. He went out and shot 50% from the field, had 18 points, five rebounds, a couple of steals shot four of nine from three and against OKC. He shot eight of 14 from the field, 19.7 rebound game. I think he's gotten back to the Marcus Morris of the first few months of the season when people and, and, we were talking about him as one of those kind of borderline fringe. Is he making a case for the all-star game? I think in January, he kind of that all fell off a little bit and he admitted to having some struggles. I like the way he bounced back this week. So I think he's had a, a good enough week and he's such an important player. When he's playing well, the Celtics are very, very difficult to beat. And when he's shooting well from three, they are damn near impossible to beat. So his bounce back week, I think is, is very taco worthy.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because you know, he shot in January. You were talking about how he kind of fell off. And he shot 41.8% from the field, 36.4% from three. Like He was just kind of previous Marcus Morris. Right, right. <laughs> he was okay. So, so his fall off
0: was – Back to normal.
1: <laughs> yeah, back to the old normal. So right. e- even even when he fell off, he was still providing value. And now he's bounced back. So it's been it's it's just funny that it seemed like a fall off when he was just kind of producing like like he did for most of his career. Yeah, that's how good he's been this season. That uh, an off month is (laughs) what he's done in in what has been a a productive career. Yeah. So shouts to Marcus Morris.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Continuing
1: to earn that bag.
0: De- definitely 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 uh that's it for my tacos uh, unless you have any others
1: no others. you're, you're struggling
0: I, for the fourth one so
1: I'm i've got no others no other we've, so. we've got four tacos three for me four for you and yep. that's that's where it stands
0: <laughs> and that's where the podcast stands we will end it there uh an extended podcast to get all of our thoughts in on Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. If this is your first time around listening, hope you enjoy it. Hope you come around again. We do this Monday through Friday, five days a week for you. So go ahead and give us that subscription. We are everywhere, even on Spotify. If you listen to the music, you can subscribe to the podcast and, and check us out there as well. If you're a regular subscriber, Please, a written review, five-star rating would be fantastic. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, If you do that, Jay King will send you an autographed picture, guaranteed.
1: That'll be worth a lot, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Not.
0: All right, that's it. Everybody, thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Yeah, is Packard, and Jay King. i